I was recently reading about the work, the research work of a woman who decided she wanted to study shame. So she has been studying shame for over six years and has published two works based on her research. Brene Brown is her name. And she's done incredible work looking into this issue that she thought was going to be a paper that would take her a couple of months uh, to research and look into. And the more she researched, the more she got stories and piece after piece after piece from person after person after person about their experience of shame. We are at a holiday that deals with guilt. And so when we think about guilt, when we talk about guilt, we're also often dealing with the issue of shame. Those are different things, it turns out, if you look at the research. And when she was dealing with shame, she found out what an incredibly powerful force it is in so many people's lives. And she discovered through her research that there were um, really two groups of people that everyone fell into, one of two groups. Those whose lives were defined by fear and shame and those who felt a sense of worthiness and a sense of belonging. Everyone fell into one of those two groups from the people that she interviewed. So she thought, huh, so there are folks who struggle and yearn and long for belonging and a sense of worthiness, and there are folks who have that, a sense of love and belonging and connection. And so she decided to figure out what was the one common factor for all the people who felt a sense of worthiness, a, a sense of love and belonging. So here's what she found. What do they have in common? She said worthy people, people who felt worthy, are people who live wholeheartedly, was her word. Wholeheartedly. They felt that they deserved love. And so how do you live wholehearted and think that you, and feel like and act like and be in the world as if you deserve love? It seems, she said, that they have courage, the ability to tell their story with their whole heart, and the root of that courage of telling their story with their whole heart was that they had the courage in telling that story to be imperfect. That was the determining factor. Could they own and be okay with, to some extent, the exposure of saying, I am imperfect? Shame, she says, is the fear of disconnection. So she talked about people who feel a sense of love and belonging. The opposite of that were those who felt really um, defined by a fear of disconnection, meaning if people know this certain something about me, then I will not be worthy of love and connection. That, for her, is the def one of the definitions of shame. The folks who lived uh, differently, who lived wholeheartedly, who lived fully out there were people who could fully embrace what she was horrified to find was the common denominator for all of them was their ability to embrace vulnerability. She said, as a scientist, this was the absolute last conclusion I wanted to come to in my research. 
I went into research so I could crunch numbers, look at data, come to some answers, analyze all of that, and then put that out in a nice little ordered package to find that at the root of the sense of people who were ready to live wholeheartedly, which meant they were ready to be vulnerable, which meant they were willing to admit they were imperfect, really what it meant was they were willing to be all of them on some significant deep level vulnerable. She said it caused a mental and emotional meltdown for her to find this at the root of years of research. Because what does it really mean to say that living wholeheartedly, to really live a life of belonging and connection and love and worthiness, is that we have to admit that we're vulnerable? What kind of an answer is that? For folks who are looking how to do it so that it's always going to be, right? That's not a very comforting answer. A willingness to take risk, she said, is what they shared. To invest in something that may or may not work out. That they could live authentically. They could let go of who they thought they had to be to be who they are. And that really is what she says is at the heart of connection. A fear of vulnerability leads us, she says, to make the uncertain certain. We're as afraid as she was on some level of vulnerability. And so what we want to do when we get afraid of that is we want to make the uncertain, the unclear, really certain. And she says this is what characterizes so much of the political discussion, the religious discussion, the world conversation today, which is I have to be certain that my position is right, so I'm right. I don't want to hear yours. Stop talking. I got to be certain about who I am and my position. Rabbi Harold Kushner writes, we want to be judged because to be judged is to be taken seriously and not to be judged is to be ignored. But at the same time, we are afraid of being judged and found flawed, less than perfect, because our minds translate imperfect to mean unacceptable and not worth loving. He says some of us become so preoccupied with insisting that we are perfect, so insistent on lying to protect ourselves and on finding someone to blame, so determined never to lose an argument that we don't notice how obnoxious we become in the process. We condemn ourselves to the uncomfortable posture of constantly pretending to be someone we really are not, someone flawless and perfect, because we think we have to do that to be lovable. We overreact to the mildest and most innocent of criticisms as if they were attacks on our worth as people in our public spaces, in our debates, in our discussions, see how often just offering one criticism of an idea becomes a personal attack all of a sudden. We don't have the ability to sit with vulnerability to our own imperfection, the ways that we're not certain that we're right. So what can we do? I believe Yom Kippur is all about the cure for this. Yom Kippur is a thousands-year-old practice 
that says every single one of us in this room tomorrow will say out loud a whole list of sins. Ashamnu, bagatnu. It's written in the plural. We all did this. We all did that. We all did the third thing. And we confess it all together out loud publicly because we know and need to get real about the fact that we are imperfect and that that's okay. It's okay not to always do the right thing and not to always have the right answer and not to always do what somebody, a tape in your head, tells you you need to be doing right now because that's what it means to be human. We need to be authentic. Our kids need to hear us say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Not cover up so that we never look like we've done something or said something or been something other than what we thought we should be or they thought we should be. They need us to be authentic with them. They are built and hardwired for that. The ability to fail and come back from it if we show them that that's acceptable, that that's okay. We need to let ourselves be deeply seen, says our tradition. We need to practice and admit guilt, which is very different from shame. Our tradition says, I have sinned, I have lied. We so often get all caught up and we get so afraid of saying I've done something wrong that instead of thinking I lied and saying that out loud, it's I'm a liar. Guilt is I lied and I'm sorry about that and I'm going to try to be better about it. Shame is I'm a liar. Guilt is I made a mistake and I want to try to rectify that. Shame is I am a mistake. What we do here over these next 24 hours is deal with guilt because that's a healthy, good thing because our tradition says if we deal with guilt and admit that and air it and figure out together how we can rectify what we've done wrong, we can answer the crippling effects of shame because we're all doing it out loud together. What does confession actually allow for us? Rabbi Kushner says, when we do something wrong because we are human and our choices are so complicated and temptations so strong, we lose our integrity, our sense of wholeness, of being the same person all the time. That is when we need the religious gift of forgiveness and atonement making our split selves at one. But should we ever conclude that there's no point in trying to be good because we can never be good enough, that is when we lose everything. Being human can never mean being perfect, but it should always mean struggling to be as good as we can and never letting our failures be a reason for giving up the struggle. So we will own the ways that we are imperfect tomorrow. We will say that out loud. 
And we will, by doing so, believe that we really, truly can start a new year and be different and better in this coming year. That is where our tradition is so wise. I was given a book uh, by our cantorial soloist over here called Dancing at the Shame Prom, talking about the stories that kept us locked up and small. This holiday is all about owning those ways that we've made mistakes, those ways that we wish we could go back and change it, but we know we can't. What we can do is admit it out loud together that we're all in the same place of wanting to be different than who we were and the promise that it's really possible to start over this year and try once again. That is where we find our liberation. One of the writers in that collection wrote, the remedy is always the same. Tell the truth. No matter how much I want to hide, no matter how dangerous it feels, I have to flex my authenticity. Because when I do, even while sweating, sure that no one will understand that this time, people will surely abandon me or lose respect for me, three critical and glorious things will happen. Shame is robbed of threads to build its smothering coat. I am afforded the healing of genuine connection. And others are given permission to hold themselves a little more gently, perhaps to thin the coat they've worn too long, the coat that stifles them. May we give that gift to each other this Yom Kippur.